it's, it's good to see you on this Christmas day. There's a thousand things for you all to do today, and, and you uh, allow the Lord to lead you to come here and, and worship together, and that's, that's important. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the gospel according to Matthew, chapter, chapter 2. I'm sorry, uh, why I say Matthew? Luke. You know, I'm in, yesterday, I'm in last night's sermon. <laughs> I, I have this, I have t- today's sermon with me, but I'm last night's text. Luke chapter 2, please forgive me. This has been a bad day so far for me. I, two mistakes I made uh, already. It's just barely, morning's barely over. But Luke chapter 2, not Matthew. Great gospel, but not, not Matthew today. Uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you will speak to us through your word today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we bless you and thank you for the coming of Christ into our world. In his name I pray, amen. amen. We could think of all kinds of things that are historically the most incredible, most wonderful things. You know, there's all, all kinds of illustrations throughout history as to, as to what is the, 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 greatest, the greatest event of all time. But I could think of nothing, nothing that is greater than the first coming of our Savior some 2,000 years ago. The birth of Jesus Christ should be, should be without argument, the greatest miracle of all time. It's only happened once. It'll never happen again. You know, say, well, what about the resurrection? A man, resurrection, if it wasn't for the resurrection, folks, we'd be a miserable people. However, if there's not a birth of Jesus, if there's not the coming of Christ, none of this, nothing else would have happened concerning the great things that Christ has done. 
the birth of Jesus Christ, God becoming man. It, it is just absolutely hard to imagine that the God who created all the universe, spoken into existence, would become a human being just like you and I. We should consider that God himself, who is eternal, would even predispose himself to become as one of us, to become flesh and blood. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul writing to the church at Philippi says, but emptied himself, that's Jesus, emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And also, this was no last-minute plan of God that Christ should come. The Scriptures tell us, for He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. That's from 1 Peter 1.20. By the way, what that means, foreknown from the foundation of the world, is before God created anything, in eternity past, in eternity past, and I don't know how long ago that is, but when I think of eternity, I, it just boggles my mind to think of anything eternal, either past or future, that Jesus Christ was God's foreknown Son, not that He knew that He would, but planned that He should and is going to be the Savior of the world before the foundation of the world, 1 Peter 1.20 says. Jesus is God's plan for salvation for every one of us. It wasn't something that God just thought of, but it happened in eternity past. Our minds cannot even, because we're, we are finite, we, we cannot understand, we cannot understand the, the infinite ways of God. But God in His sovereign will and His providence determined that Jesus Christ would be the Savior of the world. Christ from eternity would be the Savior and, at, and even at a time of God's own choosing, He would be born possessing both a divine nature and a human nature. That's another thing I don't understand because if He's 100% human and 100% God, my mind cannot wrap itself around the idea of something being 200%. We, we don't think of things beyond 100% of something. But Jesus is 100% God and 100% human. The human mind cannot absorb that because we've never experienced anything like that before nor will we ever again. In Luke 1.35 we read, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, that is to come upon Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Have you ever given much thought as to why the virgin birth of Christ is so significant uh, uh, doctrinally in our, in our Christian theology? Why, why is it so important to us? Why is the virgin birth, why couldn't Jesus just be born like anybody else and be God? 
Let me give you three reasons. And these three reasons are provided by, by Dr. Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology, which if you like theology books, I, let me tell you, this is worth reading. But Dr. Grudem, just, just three points real quick. Number one, he says, it shows salvation must ultimately come from the Lord. He says, secondly, the virgin birth makes possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. And third, he says, it also makes possible Christ's full humanity without inherited sin. When we look at these reasons and see the biblical significance of such an event, we should re be reminded that the birth of Jesus uh, has no father-mother happening. It's not a, 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 a dad and mom situation. There is a mother, but her, her conception is not through human instrumentality, is not through the human procreative processes, It is through God. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she bore in her a child who is the Savior of the world, the child who created this world, the child who spoke this world and the universe into existence, the child who is not just creator, but the child who is sustainer. The child, if, if he were to let go of this universe, there would be tumult, planets be running into each other, that Jesus holds all things together. He's just not the creator, but he is the one that sustains all things. If Jesus were not here, every organizer cell in your body would be flying everywhere. We would... We would become nothing, we'd become powder in this universe. He holds all things together. He is not just creator and sustainer, but he's also the redeemer. If there were no Jesus, we would have no redemption. There would be no plan of salvation. There would be no, no hope of, of an eternal state with God. We will be miserably lost. Every one of us will be headed for perdition. So when we think of Christmas, you've got to think that in this little child who is lying in this manger in some stall somewhere in, in Israel, in Bethlehem, that this, this child that lays there, there is... There is one that holds the universe together. There is one that, that, that created this universe. There's the one that will save you. Not just an ordinary baby. Christmas is not just about getting presents. Christmas is a present. It's God's present to you. It's a gift of grace to you. God had a predetermined, foreknown, sovereign plan from eternity past. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ is God's good news for all the human race. Now then, it has been said, taught, 
and wrongfully assumed by many so-called experts. You know, we got a lot of experts in this world. They hold a, they hold a lot of degrees. You know, isn't it interesting that there are some people more, more interested in, the, in their title than, the, than they are their testimony? The testimony is far greater than a title. I don't care what title you might have, friend. We, we, we may be the peasants and the serfs of this world. We might live in a feudalistic system someday, but let me tell you something, that I'd rather be there than live in the palace of the, of the most wealthiest king in all, in all this planet and know, and know for certain that if I were to die today as a serf, as a, as a, living in a feudalistic system, if I were to be a peasant, if I were to be a pauper living, living in a homeless shelter, I'd rather be that and know that my, my estate, my destiny is with Christ than to be so wealthy that I know that the moment I would die, I would spend eternity in hell. The greatest gift that you have is this gift of a baby lying in a manger who becomes your savior. But Jesus had no human father. So in this way, they say, well, if he had a human father and human mother, that he would more fully identify with humanity. Well, let me tell you something. If you think that he could better identify with humanity if he had a human mom and dad, he had a human mother for sure, but not the father. Listen, it would only stand to reason that if Jesus had both a human mother and a human father, that he would also possess what we all possess. There is something that we have that Jesus does not have or did not have. You know what that is? A fallen, depraved, sin-inherited nature. He did not have that. Jesus, from the very moment of conception, different than you and I, was without sin. Every, every human being that has ever lived since Adam and Eve, after Adam and Eve, God created them. God created them perfectly, didn't he? But they sinned. But since then, every person ever, ever, ever who's existed has a fallen depraved, sin-inherited nature. And because every one of us has a sin nature with us, there is, it is a guarantee. There's a guarantee that we are going to die. The wages of sin is what? Death. Went to the doctor the other day, and uh, he's checking my eyes. He said, oh, Pat, you got this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. And he says, okay. He says, you know, he says, in 15 more years. I said, 15 years? You're going to guarantee me 15 years? <laughs> I says, thank you, you know. I'm expecting in 15 years I'll be uh, talking to Peter and Paul. 
Folks, listen. You and I, if Jesus were to tarry his coming, you and I are going to die. just part of who we are. There's this thing called a sin nature that has gripped us. Its tentacles have, have wrapped itself around our, this, this tent that we call a body. And we're going to die. This body's going to fade away. But good news, there's a new body waiting for us. You know, it'll be, be an overhaul. So how do we know for certain how do we know for certain that Jesus was born without a human father? Let me give you some scriptures because some people say, well, how do you know? Well, you should give us some scripture. Let me give you, I'm just going to give you a few. I'm not going to give you all of them, but I'll give me a few. Matthew 1.20, Luke 1.35, John 3.16, Galatians 4.4, 4, 1 John 2.2, 2, 1 John 4.2, 1 John 4.15, etc., and etc., and etc. Jesus is the Son of who? God. Not the Son of Joseph. He's the Son of God. I mean, Joseph was his earthly father in a sense that he lived in the home of Joseph and Mary. But Jesus is the Son of God. So let me ask, to which man or woman who is born apart from Jesus Christ is free from sin? You? Me? I don't think so. So let's dispel any speculative thought about this uh, and, and, and go straight to the Bible for our answer. Romans 3.23, you know what that says? For all... Now, when the Bible says all, that doesn't mean most. <coughs> Excuse me. It means every one of us. Each and every one of us. For all of us have sinned, and we all, we all fall short of the glory of God. Except who? Except for Jesus. We cannot theologically separate and dismantle the divinity of Christ from the humanity of Christ. Folks, it is the birth of Christ that qualifies, that qualifies the substitutionary atonement of Christ. If we were to, dis, to dismiss and dispense of his virgin birth, we would by simple reason be able to pollute and yes, even destroy the, the redemptive work of Christ. This would then invalidate the resurrection of Christ invalidate the ascension of Christ, the mediatorial work of Christ, and, and yet to be the return of Christ. If there is no virgin birth of Jesus Christ, folks, everything else that's attached to Christianity would not exist. You destroy the virgin birth, and you destroy all there is to destroy in Christianity. It hinges on that. That Jesus Christ is God. If Jesus Christ is not God, then we have no Savior. Christ is born of a woman, but he is conceived of by God the Spirit. 
It's what ties Christianity together. And yet, there are many who say, huh, we don't need that. And then, what would we have? Christianity would become a sham religion that has no hope, no salvation, no eternal life, because in reality, there would be no Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul in his epistle in, in 1 Timothy, verse, uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 16. He says, he was revealed, he was revealed, that means that God revealed himself in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among nations, believed on in the world, and then taken up to glory. What man, what woman can do that apart from Jesus Christ? If Christ were just like us, he would have turned into dust by now. The worms and maggots of this earth would have eaten his body, but not Jesus. Do you know that when we pass from this scene, people spent all kinds of money to put folks in a vault you know what's going to happen to them after due to, in due time, in due time, what happens to that body? It, it turns to dust. Be a cadaver laying there. The worms and maggots of this world will find their way to it. But the real you, the real you, the, the, the you that belongs to Jesus will be with Jesus. You'll not feel a thing. You'd be so blissful in God's kingdom that you'd say, man, I wish I'd have got here years ago. Friends, we are talking about coming to a close. We're on a final leg here. We're talking about the king of glory. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, was crucified bearing our sin in the Father's wrath, was buried in a borrowed tomb, ran raised by the power of God on the third day. We are told in Acts 4.12, and there is salvation. Listen, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Oh, my friends, listen. If you don't have Christ as your Savior and your Lord of your life, you don't have real life. Christ has come to give you abundant life. Today is a day of good news. My friends, a Savior is born. Let's pray.
Thank you, Father, for, Lord, thank you for Christmas 2022. 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus, you came to this world wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in the manger. Father, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And our hope, the surety of eternal life is found in you, Father. For you are the head, we are the church, the body, Father. We thank you for that union. We thank you for the unity that we have in Christ. Father, may we be united as brothers and sisters in Christ, loving one another, upholding one another, building up one another, being a friend to one another. Lord, may that be our gift to each other this Christmas season, that Christ in us, who's the hope of glory, has brought us together as brother and sister in Jesus. It's in your name I pray.